we are in this season and celebrating 50 years of the Lord's faithfulness and now walking in the next 50, it's a day by day, week by week, moment by moment thing. And this morning, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but um, I have purposely put some things up here on the stage that I'm hoping somebody in here will get a little bit thirsty. That you're going to go, hey, what? And not only that, not only am I hoping you're going to get thirsty, I I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them somebody's going to get wet this morning. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Look at them again and say, and it could be you. (laughs) But now look at them and say, but I hope it's me. See, it's like, hey, look at this. Instead of you getting, I guess good for them, but I want to get drenched. So when we look at that, we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. And we look at it, and we look at this thing of of water and this thing of of that. It takes me back to one of my fondest memories as a kid. Um, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, right there on Highway 17, in a little subdivision, uh, there were there were seven of us kids in a small house. My mom, I was there visiting her on Friday, and I uh, got to go see her and hug her neck. And, and Thursday and Friday, got to do that. Um, and as I I was down there, I'm all one of my fondest memory as a child was going to Uncle Jack and Aunt Mary Jane's house. And when I say that, it's like some of y'all have an Uncle Jack and some of y'all have an Aunt Mary Jane. And you go, oh, I like them. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. But for me, it's so funny because in Jacksonville, their house was literally only about two miles from our house. But something happened in those two miles. So we lived in a neighborhood with a subdivision where it's house, 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 all right next door. We went to Uncle Jack and Aunt Mary Jane's two miles down the road, and all of a sudden, we're in the country. <laughs> like, wow, they got about five acres. We get to run and play, and we get to go play in the woods, and we made, we made all kind of stuff. We made knives out of sticks. We made guns out of, out of limb, like shh, my brothers and I. We had all kind of fun, but one of the things that was so incredible, their, their property butted up to a drive-in movie theater. Now, I know some of y'all like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> some of y'all like, oh, some of y'all have some memories of those, and we're not going to go down that road today, but ever, but however. So we would actually, one of the fun things at night, we would actually uh, go to the fence. We were right on the fence line, and it was only a barbed wire fence. So we would, one of us, one of us guys, we would sneak over the fence, we're like, And we would go turn all the speakers that nobody was parked at. We would turn them towards us and turn them up loud. And then we'd sit there and watch a movie like, hey, there's our Netflix right there, right on a video on demand. We're we're demanding more. We didn't get popcorn or anything. But another thing that was really fun about Uncle Jack and Aunt Mary Jane's house was this. They had a pump or a well that you had a handle you would pump. And it would pump water out of it. I'm telling you, I think I got a picture of one y'all can see right there. Anybody ever seen one of those before? <laughs> Some of y'all looking at it smiling like, that was me. We had fun with that. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, 
when we went out there, so it, it had a table on it as well where it'd go back into the ground, but we would sit there and we would get to pump this water. And it was so amazing. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden this, this refreshing, cool, cold water would come out. And of course, you know what we did as kids, we gonna splash each other. And then I gotta take my turn. And the more you pumped it, it'd come out. And we made an absolute blast out of water just bubbling up out of the ground. And it was, you know, I'm sure it was probably the same in the house. If I went and turned the spigot on, it would be closed. But it was different because we actually produced it. We were like, look it up, man, I can make this. I remember one time we were out there and I started, I got out there early and I'm trying to pump this thing. I'm like, I'm pumping and nothing's coming out. And I thought I done broke this thing. I'm like, I'm excited. Uncle Jack said, hold on, Mark. So Uncle Jack come over there and he took a cup of water and he poured it in here. He dipped it out, poured it in. He said, you got to prime the thing. And he primed that thing. There it come. I want to prime your pump this morning and I want to get you thirsty because I believe that God wants to fill us. He wants to nourish not just our physical body, but he wants to nourish our soul as well. And you know, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things that God's created besides our very life is water itself. It's a nutrient that we take for granted many times. It's something that we just, oh, it's water. Many of us, when it rains, we try to avoid it. Like, I don't want to get wet. There are certain times you don't want it to happen. And it's usually some of the most inopportune times that it happens. When a, a rain shower comes up the other night, I'd been working late and I I thought I'm going to go get me some wings just before I go home and I'm going to take them home to my bride and I'm going to sit and eat them and I walked in it was a little windy and it's all blustery and I walk in and I order and I thought man I'll get them and get out you know what happened I walk in and all of a sudden I go walk out the door and it's like I called my wife I said hey honey I'm going to eat alone tonight right now. <laughs> and so I sat there, enjoyed and got to have some fellowship with a couple of our wonderful, fine Brunswick Police Department police officers. And we had a good time chatting. They were the only other ones in there. But I avoided it because I wasn't wanting to get wet that moment. But it's amazing because if we look at Scripture, it's found not only in this, water's not only found in the second verse of the Bible, but it's also found in the second and third day of creation. In Genesis 1-2, it says this, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's amazing when you think about how it it was, um, uh, how it was doing that, because then again in chapter 2, we see that, um, hey, the, um, let's see, do I got that? Do I got the verses up there? Um, let me see what I'm, I think I do. Let me, I may have gave them the wrong verse. Let's see. Um, in, in Genesis 1, 6 and 10, it goes on to say, if you got your Bibles, open them. <laughs> if not, uh, hold on, I think we got them coming up right now. Genesis 1, 6 through 10, it says, And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Now, why has he got to separate water from water? What's one without the other? It's water. But we'll see in a moment, it's not just water. There's different water. 
<clears throat> different kind of water. And he goes on to say, <clears throat> so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so, God called the vault sky and there was evening and, the mor- and there was morning the second day. Verse nine goes on to say, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so, God called the dry ground land and gathered the water he called seas and God saw that it was good. And it goes on and talks about the vegetation stuff. But God, in the very first part of Genesis, the very beginning in creation, he is setting the stage for what is one of the most vital parts of our life, and that is, right now, according to what I'm walking through, <clears throat> water. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> he made it a priority in our lives, and I think we need to make it a priority in life. He knew and knows we need it in order to live. And he so graciously provided it for us in many different ways, in rivers and streams and, and, and wells and, and uh, aquifers and aqueducts and so many ways. It's amazing because scientists have discovered that a human body can go 30 days, depending on the, the individual, can go 30 days without food. How many can we go without water? Roughly three. Roughly three, we can go three days without water. That's why when anytime there's a wind or the record or reporting of a wind blowing real strong, we call them hurricanes around here. Anytime, instantly, you go to the store and uh, by the way, (laughs) what's the first thing people buy? Toilet paper. No, I'm only kidding. (laughs) Sorry, that was the coronavirus. Sorry, I missed that one. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) No, it's it's water. You go and you can't find it. So um, thank goodness I'd already bought 10 gallons just before that had happened. Not because of the storm. I didn't know there was one out there, but I just happened, we we used that. So, but when we think about it, only three days. Now, if you're on the ocean, you can actually go about six, but then that's as much because the salt water, your body can't process that. And so I thought, you know what? How about if we took just a real quick test this morning on water? Now, I got it from the help with WebMD, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm going to see if you get these right. Are you ready? Okay. Now, I don't know how to get them all right, but I mean, how how to quiz it, but this is for your benefit. Okay. True or false? You should drink at least eight glasses of water per day. True or false? False. (laughs) Depending on your body weight and size and age, it says that an average man should drink 125 ounces, which is if you do that by eight, oh, that's a little bit more than just simply um, uh, the, the typical eight glasses, which is eight ounces. In others, for women, it's like 91 ounces. And so when you think about it, you go, wow, that's a lot of water. Number two, how much water do people typically get from food? Now, I got an A, 5%, B, 10%, C, 20%, or D, 50%. Okay, it's D, 20%. So, so not only is it just drinking, but our food, we have water in that that actually we, we absorb through our food. Number three, exercise in hot, humid, southeast Georgia conditions 
can make you hydrated, dehydrated in as little as A, 30 minutes, B, 45 minutes, C, one hour, or D, two hours. 30 minutes, you're right. 30 minutes, you can be out there and all of a sudden you just begin to feel it. Now I know some people, like myself, that um, we work through some of that stuff. And I have to remind myself to stop and take a drink because if not, you'll just keep going and all of a sudden, you know what happens, how you can tell you're, light, you're, you're dehydrated, you start getting dizzy, your hands start shaking a little bit. It's not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, I feel you, Lord. I feel you. It's like, no, go get a drink of water, get this thing done and begin to rehydrate yourself and all of a sudden begins to, uh, to do that. Okay, real quick, we're moving on. Just got a few more. Which, which of the, this is going to be pretty obvious, but it's fun to think about. Which of the following drinks is most dehydrating? A, alcohol, B, coffee, or C, sugary sweetened soda? Alcohol? Y'all think so? You're right. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah. So if you're drinking, make sure you drink plenty of water. Now, you got that. So actually, that's one that it, it drains us of our life and we, it, instead of pouring into us. Okay, real quick. How much water does the average adult lose every day naturally? I got some, some multiple guests here. Get ready. Multiple guests. A, one cup. B, two cups. Three, uh, C, five cups or D, 10 cups? Anybody? 10 cups, D. We usually, naturally, an adult will uh, lose every day naturally 10 cups of water, which says what to you and me? We have to constantly be hydrating ourselves. We can't just simply go, but I'll drink a little bit. Ah, some of y'all, we have water out there if you want there. We do have bottles that we, we put out there for people to bring in. <clears throat> now, here's one of my favorite, true or false, drinking water can help you lose weight. That is true. It can help you because what it does, it replaces some of the other drinks that you drink and other, and it helps your body get rid of toxins. It helps your body flush itself and it, it goes to a number of different things that helps your processes in your body. Um, uh, number seven, you can drink too much water while exercising, true or false? True, you can. You can actually what they call get water intoxicated where you actually drink too much and then it's unhealthy for your body because your body can't process, process that. And then, let's see here. Uh, eight, water helps your body, A, remove waste, B, move nutrients, C, cushion joint, joints, or D, all the above. All the above. Look at y'all, y'all getting smarter as we go. It's, 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 sink, it's sinking in. Here we go, get ready. Okay, only got two more. Water is usually as good for rehydration as sports drinks that have electrolytes. True or false? It's true. So even though they make this drink called Gatorade, even though they make this drink, water is still, y'all knew I had to do something like that. Woo. <laughs> uh, water still 
is just as good. So it's not like I got to have those. It's still just as good for you. And then finally, number 10 in the end of it, what percentage of your body weight is water? A, 15%. Uh, B, 35, uh, oh, 15 to 35%, B, 35 to 55%, C, 55 to 75%, or D, 75 to 95%. C, you guys that throwing the C up at me, you are right. I see that you are right. It is 55 to 75%. And so, how did you do? Did you get that? Some of y'all are like, I, I learned something. Some of you are like, I already knew all that stuff. I'm water savvy. But let me say this. It's not what we know, just like in Scripture. It's not what we know about water. It's what we put into practice. It's what we actually do, not just what we have a head knowledge of. And as we, as we move forward in this, uh, the, what we're calling going to the well, this, this series we just, we're kicking off this morning, it's important to understand there's both physical water, but there's also spiritual water. So the, the scriptures make it very clear that there is this living water that nourishes our soul. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he was talking to a, a Samaritan woman at the well, who he asked for a drink in verses 13 and 14, because she said she wanted some of this water, she didn't have anything to, he didn't have anything to draw from. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them, the water of the Holy Spirit, this nourishment will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so I, I thought that was kind of fun because when I started looking at water and, and I had been preparing this, I had... Y'all, I had way too much time. I had a month to start looking at this and going over it and preparing it. And so I thought, let me go get all the water there is or the ones I could get my hands on. Any of y'all recognize any of these down here? A few of them. Some of them are your favorites and you're like, man, I like this one. So this one, by the way, it's a blue bottle. Um, it's water. Trust me, it's, it's not mixed. It's Saratoga still, natural spring water. There it is right there. If you want that, anybody ever seen that? A lot of these I have never tasted um, and by the way, we're going to leave them up here for a few weeks because when we get to the end, then you'll get to actually get taste and we're going to have actually cups and let you pour. We're going to pour water out. But this morning, I just want us to see, there was one I thought was real fun as I was looking. So this one, this is one, Iceland Galatia, natural spring water from Iceland. You got to be thirsty. I mean, somebody came up with an idea. Hey, we can get some water over there and they'll buy it. They'll get it. Here's another one that's fun. This water here, eternal. <laughs> Natural alkaline spring water. Eternal. We got eternal water right here, y'all. Somebody was being creative. I think that may be believers. I didn't have time to go research all these. But, and then of course, this one right here, the Mountain Valley spring water. Pure and fine, right there. So as we look at all the different waters you have up here, you think about, hey, everybody packages it in a way and they say, hey, you know, I need this and you need this to be a part of your life. And if you drink this, you'll be a much better human being and you'll be able to, to, to be able to go farther and go faster and be stronger and, and be able to, to function better. But the truth is that water many times is water. In the sense that if I'm not drinking it, regardless, it's something that we have to, to ingest. It's something we have to take. 
I love what Jeremiah talking about water and talking about spiritual water. In Jeremiah 2.13, he prophesied and he said, my people have committed two sins. Talking about the people of God, they committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Like they began to do their own, like we begin to go and say, I can satisfy myself, I can satisfy my craving, I can allow my heart and I can nourish my own spirit, mind and body with other things. And he said, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Like they're trying to do this apart from God. And I just wanna challenge us this morning, if you've tried to, to overcome some things in your life or you've tried to connect with God in your own effort, in your own ability, instead of saying, God, I recognize how gracious you are, recognize how loving you are. I want you to do the work. Matter of fact, Ezekiel 36, 25 says it best. He, uh, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Those things we give that we think will make us, uh, that they're, they're gonna somehow satisfy us. And so this morning, as we're looking at this water and looking at this thing of wells and looking at this thing of being refreshed and being renewed, I thought, I wanna go back to the Old Testament. So we're gonna be looking at redigging some wells. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament and look at a story that I believe has significant meaning in many of our lives. And some of you, it might even narrow in and hit you right on the head. It's found in Genesis 16, and it's the first mention of a well in the Bible. It's actually the first one that is, and the people that are mentioned in it, we have the matriarch of the Jewish uh, family, we have the patriarch of the Jewish people, and then we have a slave girl who is the, the people that are connected in here. And in, in Genesis 16, uh, we're just going to read through 1 through 15 real quick. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now hold on just a second because some of you are like, what did Sarah just say? What? Did I, is that in the Bible? It's in the Bible, but hold on. Let's go a little further and see how she wanted to accomplish this because she does wrap it up. She does do it well. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years. Sarah's wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. So it doesn't get, it's not as shady as it looks because she did say, hey, we're going to make this right and proper. Now you get to be his wife. And it goes on to say he slept with Hagar and she conceived. And it said when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Oh, ouch. All the husbands in the house like, watch out. 
I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Like, she is, she is upset that this lady, that Hagar, her servant, her slave has gotten pregnant. And Abram's, now it's his fault. She came up with the idea. Abram wasn't sitting around like, hey, there's Hagar. We, Sarah said, I can't do it. I'll figure out a way. Anybody else besides me never wanted to wait on a promise from the Lord and figured you can make it happen yourself only to realize that you created something that you had to deal with for a long time instead of taking peace and refuge in God. You said it. I'm going to rest in that and I'm going to let it come about in your time because you'll do that. Well, that's what happened here in verse 6. Your, Abram was a wise man. <laughs> like he's in this He's in this quorum. What am I? He's 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 in this tension of, okay, I did it because you asked me. She's pregnant now. You're mad at me because she's pregnant. Because and so he says, your slave is in your hands. <laughs> like you gave her to me, and I'm giving you right back. I'm giving her right back to you. Abram said, do with her whatever you think best. And Sarah mistreated Agar, so she fled from her. Ooh, gets interesting. So she got out of there because Sarah was not acting very Christian-like. Of course, they weren't Christians back there because Christ hadn't showed up. But she was demonstrating that, hey, I didn't get my way, so I'm going to take it out on you. And what happens is, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? You love how, I love how the Lord asks questions. The Lord doesn't come and demand. He comes and he has conversations with us. And if we'll allow him to and take time to sit in his presence, he'll ask you some questions that may cause you to think, oh, hold on just a moment. What am I doing? Well, Hagar, God always asks in such a way that you feel intrigued, you feel desire to answer. So, so the angel of the Lord asked in such a way that Sarah said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. She answered, I'm surprised she didn't say, well, she's been so mean, I can't believe. <laughs> she's just being nasty and I'm just leaving. I'm tired of it. it. Says that the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Then the angel of the Lord also said to her, and this was important, this is the also, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall call his name, you shall name him Ishmael, which means simply God hears. If you ever wonder what Ishmael is, God hears. For the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. <laughs> How many other Ishmaels we got in here? <laughs> Wives, put your hands down. No, I'm only kidding. It's like sometimes we get hard-headed and we got like, whoa. No, he said, he will be a wild donkey man. His hand will be against everyone uh, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live hosti in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Leroy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. 
So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 86, guys, hey, here we go. It's still not too late. Um, We're like, hey, we can still go. (laughs) No, what he was saying here is this was God taking a situation that in the natural seemed impossible. And it's centered around this well this, that God sees us. And there's four things I want to get out of here. And a little bit more when we look at what happened later, like 16 years later, when actually Sarah does have a son, Isaac, and he, they begin to wean him, and then he gets, they get sent off again. And so um, when we look at it, there's a few things that happen. If we look, skip down to verse 6 through 8, um, in 16, it says, your slave is in your hands. Abram said, do with her whatever you, you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. And I wonder if there's anybody in here besides me that have been put in some stressful situations. It might be a neighbor. It might be a boss. It might be a coworker. It might be somebody that has mistreated you in some kind of way. It could be a family member. And it was something that you were trying to get out of and get away from. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to be mistreated. We want to be honored. We want to be, we want to be respected. And when we look at what happened here, it was real. This is not something that was made up. This is something, I, it does not go into detail of how Hagar was mistreated by Sarah. But um, there could have been any number of things, not just verbal abuse. And so there were things that, that it was so bad that this young slave girl would strike out in the middle of the desert, not knowing where she was going. She may have had some idea of where she was from, but she'd been there for a while. And so she had to come up with, this is my plan. I'm getting out of here. Anybody besides me ever thought, I got to get out of here. I just want to go. I just want to run. I got to go. And I want to say there are times where you have to protect. There are legitimate times. Sarah must have been so harsh that she said she could have feared for her life and said, I got to get it. It wasn't just kind of like a verbal. Like I said, it does not imply, but it implied that it was so bad. She felt like I'd rather face the desert than I would stay in this. But I love what the Lord, how, how when he says this, she's in the desert and, a lo- and the angel of the Lord found her. The angel of the Lord found her in her running. She was running away and God saw her running and God didn't just say, oh, well, go. God went after her. Matter of fact, when she named that, it goes on and it says it's called God sees you. And I want to say one of the greatest things that when we talk about water and we talk about spiritual and natural water, one of the things that nourishes our soul more than anything is knowing that God sees you. Knowing that he's there. I mean, you would be shocked at how many people I have that, that feel like God has left them, that he has abandoned them. And he's like, you're nowhere to be found. I've experienced that at different times in my life where, where you cry and you pray and, you, and you're just pouring your heart out to God and you just feel like 
It's the heavens are brass and you're just going and it's not even reaching past the ceiling. And you keep crying and you keep pounding, you keep seeing, I, I gotta go, I gotta do something. I wanna find it, it's almost as if I wanna build my own tower. I, if you're not coming to me, I'm coming to you. And God, in his grace and mercy, sees her and he encourages her in the midst of it. Like, hey, not only do I see you, but I got a encouraging word for you. <laughs> Which is the second one is, is when he tells her, when he sees her, he tells her um, in, uh, in Genesis 16, 9. So first, first thing I want you to get is God sees you. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in your striving. He sees you in, your, in the midst of our darkest moment. He sees us. The second thing when, in Genesis 16, 9 and 10, it says, then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to submit, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Who wants to hear that message? <laughs> who, who wants that word? Okay, I got a word from the Lord. The Lord says, uh-uh, you ain't through yet, go back. Um, I will say this. There are things that God wants to work in our life that only those moments are gonna be worked out that way. There's character that he wants to build and it's only gonna be through this conflict that happens in our life. And many times we run from conflict and God has a much bigger plan. And we could say in this moment, when God asks you to go back, God will sustain you. So first he sees you, next he will sustain you. And it, it, it's not just when things get the worst, God still, he's not going to leave and he'll sustain you. He'll have other people join around you. He'll have other opportunities and he'll give you, he'll give you literally the life-giving water to actually experience that you can walk it out. The next thing that, that she experiences, and actually this is the latter part, this is 18 years, 16, 18 years later, when they have been kicked out again because they have a child. Many of you know the story, but in case, I'm gonna give you a quick overview. Sarah does have a, a son in Genesis 21. His name is Isaac, and it's laughter because she was so old, she's like, ha, ha, there's no way I could have a child. And in her, in her uh, later years, they, she laughs about it. She goes and... Um, She's excited, but then when they wean the boy, which he'd been about four, Isaac would have been about four, all of a sudden Ishmael, who said he's going to be, he's going to live, live against everybody around him, against his brothers, she sees him and she said, Abraham, you got to send that woman out. And so again, Hagar gets sent down the road. First she left on her own, then Abraham sends her out and he puts some food on her back. Matter of fact, in Genesis 21, 14, and 16, it says, early the next morning after Sarah told Abraham to get rid of her, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, gave them to Hagar, and he set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba, which is the, the a desert of oath, God's oath. So at even then, God was sustaining her. But then when you get to Genesis 21, a little bit further, in 15 and 19, it says, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Like here's a mom and her son, 16-year-old son. And they're in the desert wondering, and the food and the water's gone. And first of all, God's already seen her once, and God's already sustained her. 
But now she's facing certain death. And it says, set him down under, uh, sat down about a, uh, she set the boy under one, one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. As she sat there, she began to sob, rightfully so. I know in this room, there are many that have had to watch some very hard things of loved ones who have had to watch their children, who have had to go through some very hard moments. And I don't, I don't negate that. In this story, this is one where, where it's very real that it's, it's a certain death if they don't get water. And she knew that. And she said, it'd be better. I'm just going to go over here because I can't stand to watch this happen. And I love God in this because God heard the boy in verse 17. God heard the boy crying. The 16-year-old boy who was uh, probably major pain because it says about three days you can go without water, but in a desert it may be less. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? What's, what's wrong? Well, God, I'm, I'm thirsty. There's, there's nothing. I'm gonna, my son's dying. We're dying. It said, and God comforts her and said, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. And then he commands her, lift up the boy. Lift the boy up. Take him to, by the hand. For I will make him into a great nation. Even when they were dying. Even when they were their moments of death, God has encouraged them, saying, I'm still going to fulfill my promise. And it said, then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy to drink. What we can say is, first, God sees us. God will sustain us even in our worst moments and then God will save us even when we don't think it's possible. When we see impossible, God sees possible. When we think there's no way this can work out, God says, oh no, I got a way you don't know about. I can do things far above what we think or can ask and God says, I'm willing to do above what you'll ask. He's willing to help. And so just like in here, Hagar experienced here this, this, this Egyptian slave that's not even, quote, part of the family, so to speak. God says, I'm, I still see you. I still want you. I'm still going to help. And then finally, the last thing is this. Genesis 16, 10 says, the angel added, not only am I going to save you, not only am I going to, not only am I going to, I see you, not only am I going to sustain you, and not only am I going to save you, but then I love this part about God. Because he added, the angel Lord added in, in the first part when he first spoke to her, when she first left on her own, I will increase your descendants so much that they will not be, uh, they will be too numerous to count. In other words, he was given her vision. He was giving her something far beyond her, beyond her own ability. Even in that moment, like I, that woman's been mean to me. I'm never going back. I'm not going to do it. God said, no, I need you to go back. She does go back. She's, God sustains her. Then he, they get kicked out again. He saves them. And in this point, they're saying, hey, I'm still going to do that. In, verse, in, in the second part where they got kicked out again, God reminds her. And actually, she sees the fulfillment. In Genesis 21, 20 and 21, it says, God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. 
While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt, which means simply this, not only does God see us or see you, not only does he sustain us, not only does he save us, but God will secure you in who you are and who he sees and what he sees. It's not about us. It really is all about him. When we think about water and we think about drinking physical water, there's something much more powerful on the inside when we allow the Holy Spirit to, put a, to, to share a word or to drop in our spirits a truth that we can hang on that will take us through our darkest moments. And I want to tell you there's a sustaining factor, this water of the Holy Spirit, this, this refreshing that he gives us. This is what's found in Titus 3, 4, and 6. It says this, when, uh, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This morning, I wonder if there's not one or two or a few of us that has felt like you're going through this, literally it's a private hell, so to speak. It's something that you're struggling and, and you feel like you, you've cried. <laughs> you feel like you're in the desert and you're curled up like I'm just gonna walk off. I, I'm, it's, it, death is certain. It's, it just doesn't feel good. And I'm just wondering if, if this morning as I close, if, if there could be a moment, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up at this time, that I believe that as we just read, there's a washing, there's a rebirth, there's a renewing of the Holy Spirit who's been poured out on us generously. If there's not a opportunity that this morning that God hears you, he sees you, God wants to sustain you, God wants to literally take you to a place and save you from those things that are screaming at you and then also where God wants to secure you in who he is and secure you in his plan for your life, not simply what you see, but what he sees. You know, I can only imagine Hagar being a slave girl, being moved away from home and serving here. You gotta think she lost her identity. Identity. She lost who she was. She gave it all and then God gave it back to her. Not only did she give her her identity, not only did he give her identity, but she gave, he gave her vision to say, hey, your son, you're pregnant. He's gonna be a great nation. He's gonna be able to, you're gonna, I don't, you're gonna overcome this. And I want us at this time, if you would bow your heads with me. And I want us to think about these moments that we're living in. Think about, is there something that's nagging? Is there something that's keeping me from experience, from experience in who God is and, and what he has for me? Maybe you've been the one that has been digging those cisterns that don't, don't hold water. Like you've got your own plan and you're trying to figure it out and work it out and you're toiling hard and you're working hard and you think, you know, look, I'll read the Bible more, I'll, I'll, I'll pray more, I'll, I'll study more, I'll do this. And I love what, what Jesus told the Pharisees in his day in John. He said, you study the Bible, you study the scriptures and do well, but it only works if you find me in them. 
So your amount of study is not going to do it. It's how you connect with Jesus and what you allow him to do in your life. So there's none of us in our own effort, in our own goodness, that's going to get something based on our goodness. It's all the goodness of God that we get this. And so I want to ask you, is there something that you've been crying out that's really been been bugging, battling you? And this morning, you need that encouragement. God sees you. He sees you. First and foremost, he sees you. You're not alone. You're not battling this alone. He's right there in the midst. All through scripture, it shows where God showed up in some pretty crazy, scary places in a fiery furnace where three men should have died. God showed up right there. There was a fourth man walking with him. God's with you. He sees you. Allow that right now. If that's you, if you're battling in that place, a battle right now. Thank you, Lord. And maybe he's required something of you that's been really difficult. And it's not easy. When he asked Hagar to submit, I can only imagine. Like, I'm not going back there. I don't care what you say, God. I ain't doing it. You can't make me. But this young girl decided, he already sees me, and I'm willing to do what he says. And she submitted herself back. And I believe if she had not submitted herself, could God have worked it out? Sure. But not in the way that he did. See, we don't see things the way God sees him. When we read through this story, you got to ask yourself, are you Hagar? Are you Sarai? Are you Abraham? Or are you the angel of the Lord that's just, just, that, is, that is giving hope and giving encouragement to those that are dying? This morning, if you're going through that and that's you, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to come right down here in the front. And I'm going to invite you up to say, Pastor Mark, that's me. That's me. I want to walk. I, 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 need, I need to be, God, I, I know you see me, but I, I, want to, I, want to, I need help. I want to be in here. And I'm going to ask you at this time, you can start making your way down here with us. And we're going to pray. Y'all just go ahead and come on forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's you. We're, we're, we're going to walk this out. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Yep. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're walking through this, and you just think, hey, God, I just can't do it anymore. I can't go anymore. It's too much for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take just a moment. Yes. Yes, Lord. We're going to allow the refreshing to begin to take place. So he sees us. Then that second part. Somebody needs to be sustained. 
like you feel alone, like there's no help, there's no hope. And this morning, Jesus is your rock. And we here in this body are here to help. That we're here to help sustain. Like that's what God's, one of the main missions, once we come to know Christ as our Savior, the second is, is we help others do the same. And we walk through deep waters with them and we don't leave them alone. We help them through their moments. Because people need to know that there are those around them that care. I've always maintained, and it's still true, it may sound cliche, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Are you willing to do that? And then thirdly, the saving grace of God. It's not anything I can earn, not anything you can earn, not anything we can deserve. It's simply born and birthed out of the love God has for us made in his image and made in his likeness.